You're listening to a celebration of the best moments in Dory Monson's show history. For more information on the life and career of our dear friend Dory, please visit MyNorthwest.com. Minutes of the news. This is Dory's fastest fifteen. Ah, it's a world of news in a tidy little fifteen-minute package just for you. Welcome to our fastest fifteen. Well, I have a pretty remarkable story to share with you. I've told you guys I pretty much grew up without a dad, and I'm always intrigued with these stories of guys who grow up without a father mentor in their life, and. Uh, This is the story about a kid who was born in 1972 to a single mom, not just a single mom, but a 16-year-old mom, Carol Briggs, and she told ESPN E60 about giving birth at age 16. Well, I explained to him, you know, that um, me and his father were not, we weren't the love story that he might have been hoping for. You know, we were young. We were young. We, I was 16. He was 18. How did you tell the father of the baby about his son? Um, I didn't tell anybody anything. Um, I didn't tell anyone anything. My mom found out I was pregnant. It was handled a little differently back then. And less than a week, I was gone. She sent me to this place in Pittsburgh... And I didn't come home until the day after Dylan was born. And so the 16-year-old girl gave her baby, who she named John, up for adoption. And the baby John was adopted by a doctor and his wife. And uh, they named him D-Land, as you just heard the mom say. And he grew up to be a fine young man, a fine athlete, but... The adoptive family, the dad of that family moved out when he was two years old. So he didn't have a biological dad. He didn't really have an adoptive dad in his life, but he still grew up to be a fine man, went to high school, became a terrific football player, and that's when he attracted the attention of some college coaches. And one of those college coaches is a guy that, um, man, I watched all the time in the earliest years of the Seahawks and Of course, uh, covered the team when Sherman Smith was the running backs coach. And uh, the Seahawk legend, Sherman Smith, joins us here on Cairo Radio. Hey, Sherman, great to talk with you, sir. Good to talk to you. How you been? I've been fantastic. It's uh, really great to to have you on again. So I'm fascinated by this story, Sherman, because you were a, a running back coach at Miami of Ohio, and you went to recruit this 16-year-old high school kid who grew up without a biological dad, grew up without an adoptive dad named uh, Deland. Why, why were you interested in this kid? Well, you know, he was talented. I, I believe his senior year in high school, he rushed for 1,500 yards. And, and at Miami of Ohio, we were just looking for good football players. And Campbell, Ohio was uh, one of my recruiting areas uh, that, I, that I had the responsibility of checking out and Dylan just was one of those guys that just stood out that I thought he would help us uh, be a, become a better team at Miami of Ohio. And I hear that some of the other coaches wanted to to have him switch positions, but he had really bonded with you. And he said, I'll take a red shirt year if I can play running back for coach Sherman Smith. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. We brought him in, and you know, guys lo- loved him. You know, his athleticism. Thought he could be a wide receiver, could be a defensive back. But you know, I recruited him as a running back. Yeah. And, you know, and he wanted that chance, and and so Randy Walker was gracious enough to say, okay, you know, we'll redshirt you, and then you know, we'll give you a chance to play running back. And I don't think uh, they have any regrets because of the type of career that he had uh, his four years there. You have coached, you know, several hundred kids over your life. What made Dylan special, and and why did you bond with him so? Well, I just think, you know, when we, when I first started rec- to recruit him, you could just see he was serious. I mean, he was a yes sir, no sir guy, and you know, he I think he had an idea of what he wanted to try to accomplish in his life, and um, so he I just loved his seriousness, the intensity about how he went about things. And when he got on campus, you know, his seriousness about his books and, and, and training and trying to get better. And so there was, this was a young man that acted a lot more mature than his, you know, his chronological years. You know, he, he acted like a grown man. So he acted like a, a guy that had, you know, been through some things that had, you know, had a tough childhood and, uh, you know, and, and so he appreciated the opportunity and each and every day he went out and uh, he, he, he just worked hard every day. And like I said, this is a kid who grew up without a dad. And I saw a quote from you, Sherman, where you said, you tell your players, I'm going to treat all of you like my son. And it sounds like that's something that the dealing especially needed in his life. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that, that was something that I always said to my players, even when I started coaching high school at, you know, at Redmond high school, that was the thing I said, you, I told the guys I'm old enough to be your father and you may not be looking for a father, but I'm going to treat you like you're my sons. And, and that's just how I looked at all the guys, you know? And so uh, each and every guy, they were different to me, but you know, they were like a son to me. And so, and that gave me the freedom to be able to speak to them about more things than just football. So we could talk about life and other things. And, and so we just had those kind of relationships. So with Dylan, uh, you know, the fact that he may have been looking for a father and had, didn't have that father figure, uh, you know, he gravitated toward that. And, and, and I, and I told people, I didn't treat him any differently than I treated anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I hope I treated all the guys the same way. And so we just, we just bonded and, and, and you know, and it it just remained uh, to this very day. And, and you left. You were climbing the coaching ladder. So after I think a year together at Miami of Ohio, you left to go to Illinois. He stayed at Miami, but uh, he'd taken a special interest in this kid, and you uh, certainly followed along as he had this great college career, right? Yes, yes. I we stayed in contact, and you know, I continued to see how he was doing, and he he had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer. He, broke records, rushing records at Miami and, and and proceeded to, you know, get an opportunity to coach, uh, to play in the NFL. But that was a shortcut because of a knee injury. And, you know, then he proceeded on life after football, you know, finding a job and teaching and, you know, running a, a boarding home. And then also uh, then getting back in the, in the coaching himself, where his first coaching job was uh, on the college level was at Miami, Ohio. So, we just stayed in contact with each other throughout the years. And since he wanted to follow kind of that same path that you'd been on, he he stayed in touch with you. He sought you out as a coaching mentor as well. Yes. We talked a lot of football, and uh, particularly when he got into the coaching part of it, he was experiencing some things uh, that I had already experienced. Plus, he was a running back coach, so we got a chance to talk about different techniques and thoughts about how to run plays, and, and it was it was really a lot of fun. 
just interacting with each other uh, in that manner. And then when you were here coaching the running backs for the Seahawks, you brought Deland out for a coaching internship with you too. Yeah, he came out and did a did an internship uh, that they have during the summer, the minority internship. So he came out and I think he spent about a week because he had to get back to go to college. You know, Indiana was getting ready to start it up. And he just came in and he did a great job, you know. So I gave him the responsibility of the individual period because I really believe when those guys come out for that internship, they don't want to just come out there and hold dummies and, you know, and do grunt work. You know, I wanted him to get a chance to to coach, you know, for it to be a good experience because I did two of those fellowships myself. And I remember one I did, I didn't do anything but stand around and it was, I gained some knowledge, but it wasn't the same as coaching. And then the next one I got to coach more and, so I wanted to make sure that anyone that did an internship with me had that had that experience. And, and so Dillon did a lot of good things and showed himself to be a good coach. So this kid who grew up without a biological dad, without an adoptive dad, you've been mentoring him his entire life. You didn't know that he was seeking out his biological parents. You had no idea that that was going on, I assume. No, he, he never had that conversation with me saying, yeah. you know what, I, I'm starting the process to to try to find my biological parents. So we we never had that conversation. And so Deland is searching out his biological parents while you are still mentoring him. And then from that uh, ESPN E60 piece, here's what happened after he got hold of his biological mom. I said, um, well, shoot, who's my dad? And I said, well, your father's name is Sherman Smith. Your dad is a man named Sherman Smith. And when she said that, I mean, it was, I almost fell off, I almost like passed out. And uh, I could kind of hear him choke up a little. And he says, well, I've known Sherman my whole life. I, it's like I couldn't even hear anything she was saying because I'm still processing. Your dad is, is a guy by the name of Sherman Smith. I knew exactly who, what. I'm like, this is unbelievable to me, you know. This is one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard in my life, man. I mean, I got, I got goosebumps knowing what was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You never knew, well, you never knew that 16-year-old Carol Briggs was pregnant, right? No. She'd never told you? No, never told me. And you'd gone off to college. You uh, had a great eight-year NFL career. Uh, you married your college sweetheart, right? Yes. So what happens? So Deland texted you and said, can you talk? I have something important. What did you think he was going to ask you about? Well, you know, it was right. It was about a week or so, about eight days before Thanksgiving. So it's that time of year when college coaches, because at that time, Deland was coaching at USC. So it's that time when college coaches have an opportunities to, to move on, to go change jobs, you know. So that's what I thought it was in reference to. So when I, I called him back immediately because I said, man, let me get a hold of him. He might be in a position where he, he has to make a decision and he just wants to shoot some things by me. So I called him back that morning, and we never got into that conversation. <laughs> That's when he went into, you know, hey, you know, I'm adopted, and, you know, and I began to search for my biological parents, and, you know, and I'm excited for him. And he said, and, I was able to get my birth certificate just the other day, and man, that's good to hear. And and I found out who my biological mom was. Man, I'm excited for him, you know. And then when he said her name, my heart dropped because I knew I knew Carol Briggs, yeah, you know, and I knew Carol Briggs in a manner of which you know that it, 
I shouldn't be surprised if he said, you know, hey, you're my father. So, you know, and so when he said it, he said, I asked her who was my dad, and she said, you. The same way that he said he felt when Carol told him I was his father, it was, you know, took his breath away. It was the same way I felt when he told me she said I was his father, you know. So I was surprised, you know, I was shocked, you know, I was Man, life, you know, it was like, boom, you know, it, I, I was glad I was sitting down because, you know, that's not what I expect, expected to hear when we were, when we started that converse, when we started our conversation that yeah. morning. Well, I mean, I just, like I said, this is so incredible that this kid you'd been mentoring for by now 28 years, but mm-hmm. it's also a bombshell in your life. You'd been married how long at that point? Well, going on 42 years. 42 years with kids. So yes. what do you say to your wife and your kids? <laughs> well, that, that, that was it. After, you know, when Dylan told me, um, you know, man, like he said in the in the E60 piece, I was mumbling and all stuff because, you know, <laughs> I was like, man, trying to get myself together. So I, I told him, I said, Dylan, I need to process this. I'll call you back, you know. So yeah. I called him back a couple hours later because I was just thinking through this whole thing. And then the whole time I was thinking, man, a life. The hardest conversation, you know, I needed to tell my wife and my kids. And it was like, so at that point, I had not talked to Carol. And at that point, I w- I'm going along the assumption that I am his father, you know, sure. because we hadn't done a DNA test yet. So so I'm just thinking along the lines that this is this is true. And so and I needed I need to tell my wife. But I, I was thinking I didn't want to tell her until we did a DNA test and I got the results. I didn't want to open up this this, this can of worms if I didn't have to. So, right. but later on that night, I just couldn't, you know, it was just weighing on me. because my first emotion, like I said, it was, it was not about excitement. It was, I was in shock and I was in pain. I was, I was hurting because of this, because I, I was feeling bad about being so irresponsible. Uh, like I have said, when you're 63, you see things differently than you do when you're 16 <laughs> or 17 years old. You think? And I look back on this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it just, uh, the gravity of, the, you know, my irresponsibility was just, you know, I, I could see it. I, I had coached guys that, you know, grew up in a home without their dad, and I saw some of the results and, and the struggles they went through. So, man, I was feeling bad that I had put him through that. But you so, never knew she was pregnant. I never knew. Yeah. No, I never I never knew. And, I, you know, and, that, and that's, you know, I, I look at that and I say, okay, you know, you didn't know, but still, you know, it. And I'll be honest with you. I think if Carol had said something to me 45 years ago, you know, hey, Sherman, uh, I gave birth to a child, your son, and I put him up for adoption, I would have said to her, you know, Carol, I'm glad that you're sure, but I need to be sure. Right. So, you know, uh, where's he at? You know, yeah. we, you know, I'm not going. I'm not going to run away from my responsibility, but you know, I let, let I want to be sure as you are, as sure as you are. So it really weighed on me, and and I told my wife about it that evening. And she was awesome. She was awesome. She was upbeat. She, you know, she knew Dylan. She had loved Dylan. She yeah. was crazy about Dylan. And so that made it easier. And and she just said, hey, if he's your son, he's your son. And, and we'll deal with it. And, you know, she's excited about the fact that we got four grandsons and, you know, another daughter-in-law. So my wife was, was and has been just upbeat about this from the beginning. And then talking to my kids, I talked to my daughter first. Cause she lives in the Nashville area and I talked to her and uh, it was a hard conversation. My daughter said, dad, it's the first time I've seen you cry. Cause yeah. when I told her I was feeling so bad 
that I start crying. Sure. And so she was, um, you know, she was great. She just said, Dad, you know, I always wanted an older brother. <laughs> I'm good. And, you know, and so I can't wait to meet him. And then my son and my other three grandkids and my daughter-in-law came from North Carolina uh, the day before Thanksgiving, which they hadn't planned on doing. But then for some reason they decided they were coming. So I wait and I waited till he got here and I told him and my daughter-in-law and my son, Sherman, he was he was great also. Dad, wow. you know what? And that's a, you know, I'm good. You know, he asked some questions, but he said, I'm good. I, I look forward to meeting him, you know, but my son was the same. And let's, let's make sure that, you know, let's go through the DNA process and make sure. So we don't all get excited for no reason. Right. So, so they were all good. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. What do you think threw you and Dylan together 28 years ago when neither of you knew the biological connection? Do you think there's some guiding hand there? Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, a lot of people that I know that say that they're, they're not spiritual. They said they, they, they see divine intervention in here. And, you know, and since I, you know, I'm a Christian, not afraid or ashamed to say it. I, I truly, as I look back on it now, I said, wow, God is just, you know, how this came together and how we stayed in contact. I, you know, I just don't think that's a coincidence. I, I just see God's hand all in it, you know, and, um, you know, and so I just see it when we got together, it started when I recruited him. I just so happened him living out in Seattle, Washington, living in Woodenville, coaching at Redmond High School, teaching at Redmond Junior High. And I go back to Miami of Ohio right when Dylan's, you know, getting ready to get recruited and I and I recruit him. Yeah. You know, and, and our relationship begins at that point and uh, continues from that. So I I don't think, you know, coincidence, I don't believe in that. So I just I said, Yeah, God definitely uh you know, bless Bless he and I with having that first uh, conversation, and and it continued throughout the years. Yeah, well, uh, the kid who needed a father figure actually had his his biological dad all along, and just didn't know it. Sure, it's one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. ESPN did a beautiful job telling it, and uh, I wanted to share it with my listeners. I know what a mentor you've been to. Like I said, hundreds of people. I know about the strength and longevity of your marriage and your family, and uh, it's I, I'm, I'm honored that you can share the story on my show with me and with my listeners. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do it, and you know I'm just I'm thankful for the opportunity I have now to you know extend a relationship and grow a relationship with with Dylan and with my four grandsons and my daughter-in-law and. And so as a family, we, we, we feel so blessed. Yes, and rightly so. Sherman, great talking with you. Thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you and go Hawks. All right, Seahawk legend Sherman Smith joining us here on the Dory Monson Show. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate some of our favorite moments from the Dory Monson Show.
Please enjoy this celebration of the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the best of the Dory Monson Show. I want to say thank you, first of all, to uh, the folks out at Kenmore Air. Well, how about that for a setting? Okay, you have to describe the setting for our listeners because, okay. yeah, it was incredible. So when uh, when my daughter's then boyfriend, about a year, about 14 months ago, he they, they were out of town and he called to ask for her hand in marriage, which is very I soothing. love that. Yeah. And so then... My daughter and I started talking about possible venues, and her fiance is going to be a or is a pilot, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a commercial pilot. But right now he's flying for for Kenmore Air. Back then, a year ago, he was like a dock boy. You know, he would help tie up the planes nice. as they come up to the dock. Uh, but he was working, doing Love all it. all the yeah. studying, so he could become a flight instructor. And then you get hours, and you have to have fifteen hundred hours. And good for him because there is a shortage of pilots, as we've heard. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's it's a future that looks good yes. in that industry, and mainly because it does take fifteen hundred hours. Yeah. So I call up the owner of Kenmore Air, and we had done maybe the most memorable thing in our show's history involved Kenmore Air. Yes. And I'll just tell you that story really quick. But there was a, a high school basketball girl down in the Centralia Chehalis area, WF West High School. And I'd met the coach there at a tournament a year or two earlier. Mm-hmm. And the coach called me up and he said, I don't even know why I'm calling you. So I really didn't know the guy. But he was telling me about this wonderful girl on his team. Her dad passed away. And she was the youngest of, I believe, nine or ten siblings who were all around the country. And so they had to fly in all of her siblings from around the country for dad's memorial service. And they had to schedule it at a time that worked for everybody to get into town. And so it was going to be at one o'clock, I think one o'clock noon on a Saturday afternoon. The coach at this high school says, I think there's a chance my team could make the state championship game in Yakima, and it's at 5 o'clock. He goes, can you think of any ideas for us to get her from her dad's memorial service to to Yakima for the game? Because there's no way driving. Impossible. So I call up uh, Todd at Kenmore Air, and immediately he goes, goes, we don't have that many planes flying in early Mm -hmm. March. And he goes, you know what? Let me, let's make this work. We're going to find a way to make this work. And so our reporter, Brandy Cruz, went down to Centralia, went to this girl, Julie's uh, dad's memorial service. This girl sang like an angel mm-hmm. at her dad's service. And then she and one of her sisters and Brandy, our reporter, they get on this Kenmore Air flight. Mm-hmm. They fly from dad's memorial service to Yakima, where Julie is the leading scorer mm-hmm. and the MVP in the state championship game. And her team wins the state title. I mean, the swing of emotion. Yeah. Was I mean, I, get, like, I actually get a little teary thinking about it. But it was a, a beautiful story. And Kenmore Air's uh, contribution was, I mean, that was a yeah. big gift. And, and so, but that was kind of the extent of what I knew yeah. them. We had put mm-hmm. this thing together and it was magical. And 
We ended up, Randy's story won two national right. Edward R. I, Murrow Awards. I entered it into two different categories and she won both categories. Yeah. It was, a, she told a, yeah, she told it beautifully. It was incredible. And so, uh, and Brandy had already left for Q13, so my wife and I got to go back to New York and mm-hmm. get those Murrows, and it was just, it was wonderful. So anyway, that was the extent of it. So that was, I don't know, four years ago. So I call up the same guy at Ken Morera. I say, have you ever had a wedding there? And he goes, two, mine and my cousin's. <laughs> I said, would you ever think about a non-blood wedding? And they love my, my daughter's fiance. And he goes, yeah, let's make this happen. And it just turned out to be, and, and but I, I didn't know, you know, because my daughter, she produced this thing like a producer. And she produced it beautifully. First of all, so we walk in there. So it's right by the the uh, waterfront and there's a beautiful dock. Right at the yeah. north end yeah. of Lake Washington. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got the, the choir, the choir that your daughter was involved in. So they're singing. The University right? of Washington Chorale was Gorgeous. Uh, so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the sun had come out just for this occasion. Okay, and Dory, two, so the two planes go flying overhead. The two float planes go flying overhead, and we're joking because we're sitting there, you know, and, and waiting for everything to start. And someone says, oh, they're waving at us. They're waving at us. I'm thinking, gosh, everyone on these float planes, they're so friendly. friendly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then. We didn't tell people that was the arrival. So all the guys were in one plane. All the girls were in the other plane. And then as they, you know, were singing God Only Knows by the Beach Boys in acapella. See, I'm going to get teary-eyed again. I know. Uh, I'm getting teary-eyed. But, uh, you know, the guys escorted the girls one by one. And we had it set up on the dock with Lake Washington behind them. And then we had two of the hangers. One for, you know, drinks to cocktail hour while we did all the family pictures. And then we opened but, but, up. Wait, 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 wait. But, yeah, yeah. but you have to talk about how the, the part that was so emotional is when, you know, everyone started walking out of the planes and, wa- well, you know, getting set up. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you were a wreck. I was, yeah, I was, I, I had tears streaming down <laughs> my cheek, which is so embarrassing. But we were all crying with you. But I'm crying again now. I know, but we were crying with you. I mean, well, that's it was. Weird. That was the problem, though, Ursula. I had no less than 20 people come up to me and they all said i was fine until i saw you oh yeah i know we didn't want to look at you because we would just we would be just a wet mess yes (laughs) i know and and, uh you know they earlier that afternoon all the gals were in our kitchen they you know had one station where somebody was doing all their hair another one where they're doing all their makeup and i say to the makeup lady i go can you do something about these huge bags under my eyes and so after she finished all the girls, we sit down and then I realized, oh, I'm going to be sobbing. Oh, I yeah. Said, I said, is this makeup going to arrive? Oh, you put, so she had to put concealer on? Yeah, she put on something. <laughs> because, yeah, these are forever okay, pictures, were- Ursula. Yes, I had oh, makeup I on. This. I was wearing makeup on Saturday. <laughs> okay, that's a tidbit I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, she did a very nice, subtle job. Oh, my goodness. But just to see, it was so and beautiful to frankly, see you. all she did was enhance my natural <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Okay, well, she did a beautiful job because I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't right. so obvious. Right. But to see you walking with your daughter, you know, you know, there and in... in, in it just it was just a beautiful setting right. and yeah, a, a, just a beautiful ceremony. Okay, and that's why I'm starting to cry again because it was perfect, yeah. and that's what I said to her. And I, you know, I know the yeah. effort she put in 
I wasn't going to start crying. Okay, it, you know what? Don't. But but I don't want. And the things that she, you know, the things that she said about there just was love. There, and you know what? I know that there are a lot of listeners because I already got like three texts saying, "I hope you talk about the wedding." So, <laughs> <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah. But it, um, oh man. It, to, yeah, just just to see how much love and how what she expressed, you know, to you and and your wife Suzanne, about you know uh, how much she cherishes you as parents and how much you've taught her. Um, I mean, it was it no, was beautiful. It, it was, and and first, I was thrilled I didn't cry during my toes. Because, okay, and I know exactly why you did it, though. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Every time I practiced it, I started sobbing like I was on the dock again. But uh, I got through it. And the the laugh lines kind of bolstered me. I thought, okay, this is going over okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yes. And your your, your two other daughters were just, I loved loved their toast to their sister and to the couple. Yeah, I thought that was fun. It was was wonderful. But that was was what struck me, and that was what I said on, on Twitter, that everything was so perfect. It was my vision of heaven. It really was. All your friends and family in one place, dancing, eating. Nothing there was a wrong. lot of dancing. Uh, and yeah. you know who dances like crazy? Yeah. Paul Moyer. Yeah, Paul this guy. Moyer. <laughs> so, Paul got, Moyer was something you got, you got else. Clips? Yeah, I, Paul, well, I have Paul one. was sending out videos, selfie videos he, of all of us dancing. All night. I think the last one I got was at 3 in the morning. And we were home by midnight. Oh, but oh, yeah. he, he was sending them all night long. And yeah. then I got more in the morning. But this is one of them. But good thing he did because he documented the whole yes. evening for us. But this is one of them, which in case in anybody we did talk about this leading up to the wedding, the, the first dance, which song you would you would agree to dance to, I guess. And here's the answer with a little bit of Paul at the beginning. Oh, yeah. This is the day. Father, daughter, daughter. You know I love this one. Well, you had talked about it yeah, on Thursday, and you didn't want to do it. And I'm so glad. I mean, I was, I you know, yeah, it's it's uh, falling at that point. Time to say goodbye by uh, Sarah Brightman and Andrea Bocelli, and uh, you know, it's the song, my daughter's favorite Bellagio Fountain song, and mine. But I thought it'd be too. Uh, it was perfect. But the thing is, she had this long train on her dress, and I was just worried that I was going to step on it and trip her. So I was so focused on that, I didn't cry during the dance. Well, and you guys had a nice dance. It wasn't just the, you know, the eighth grade hand on shoulders dance. Yeah, we rehearsed a, a little it bit. It was a nice dance. And so that's why you were more focused on steps. And my wife and I took dance lessons for the last three months to get ready for this. So Awesome. It, yeah, it was it was just really I'm wonderful. But I want to thank the folks at Kenmore Air and Todd and his family, his son, who's a high school junior, was helping out on Friday and Saturday. And it, it's just... It, it was it was heaven on earth. I'm looking for I'm looking forward so to heaven cool. after experiencing so cool. on Saturday. So, and thank shoot. you for letting us be a part of it too. I know, and, and I would have invited Sean, but he's never met my daughter. I, mean, I feel bad. Nicole <laughs> Nursler are talking about this, and Sean was all left out. That's all right. I think I've met your daughters at a random event. I think it might have been when we were playing the ponies. <laughs> <laughs> like a year ago or so. Oh, yeah. But that's fine, Dory. Okay. Uh, my feelings aren't hurt. Huh? Didn't you go to a couple concerts this weekend anyway? You had yeah, I was busy, Dory. Oh, okay. I was really busy. Yeah, that's what Nicole told me. She told yeah. me you had stuff going. She said, don't torment Sean with a competing invitation. Don't need it. Yeah, okay. All right.
So it was uh, it was just wonderful and uh, so blessed. How are your knees? I, I didn't take off one song. You didn't? No, we, I mean, we, just, I we were all out on the dance floor the entire time. It's like three solid. And, and then one other quick thing that I'll tell. And I, I said this to you off the air, Ursula. Yeah. That one thing I realized leading up to this is I think I have much better friends than I am a friend. Because for days, I mean, and Moyer was one of the people, but but Brock and and Wyman, they're sending me texts, you know, three days, can't wait to celebrate your big event. And I've never done that before a friend's wedding. And I realized every time, and I heard from so many other friends that said the same thing. And, uh, and I realized I have never done that to, you know, build up somebody before their big events and and I realized I, I I was given this object lesson in in friendship, living up to it. Well, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to confess to something right now, uh-uh. which is <laughs> that I shared that sentiment that you shared with me off air with those guys that you just mentioned, and they said you are silly and you have been an awesome friend to all of them. Oh, well, that's very sweet. So anyway, what a what a fun time, everybody. Here, if you don't have kids yet, <laughs> crank out a couple, and then in about 25 to 30 years, have a night like that. that that's yeah. my advice to all the millennials. That's my advice to that's Nicole. my advice, okay. <laughs> Sean, crank out a couple. Yeah, crying you, out loud. You, you, all right. You forget to I tell them, though, this past weekend. Between, yeah. <laughs> Not sure, though. You forget to, to forget to add, but it makes you forget the part that you know they cost you about a quarter million dollars by the time they're eighteen. Oh yeah, throw in a few you know education dollars in there and etc. Yeah. But but then you get a night then you like get a this. great night. Yeah, so it was the best. So thank you both for for being there and being part of that. It's very much appreciated. Celebrating the life and career of Dory Monson, you're listening to the very best. Of the Dory Monson Show. to a celebration of the best moments in Dory Monson Show history. For more information on the life and career of our friend Dory, please visit MyNorthwest.com. He will be here eventually, so stay tuned. If you're waiting for Dave, (laughs) he forgot about us. He just forgot? Well, he came in early for a meeting. And then, yeah, kind of went probably home the for holiday lunch and forgot that he had to be here. Oh, please. Are you, are you here today, Ursula? Yes. Did the holiday <laughs> mess you up? He might just be off. He might be thinking tomorrow is his day to come in. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. He was here yesterday, too. Yeah. Oh, never mind then. Yeah, today's his <laughs> he Tuesday. Just forgot. Just he forgot. He make... forgot. Huh? Wyman, is, his new thing is he sends snide texts to me during the show and he CCs Nicole. Oh, he and, CCs me too. 
Oh yeah, and he oh he does. He includes you on. <laughs> I even saw it while I was sick in bed yesterday. <laughs> so so yesterday, let me let me find this one from yesterday. So we're talking about uh, the the tunnel. Did you hear my idea for the tunnel? By the way, no. I got a, uh, a one of those unexpected checks that arrives in the mail every once in a while for me. The from the Walt Disney Corporation. You know, I get uh, residuals right. for my acting work on Bill Nye the Science Guy back in the 90s. Right. So I got a check, and I, I posted it on Twitter over the weekend. My gross was 65 cents, and those blood-sucking government leeches took 19 cents out of that. So my net was 46 cents. I have a check from Walt Disney Buena Vista for 46 cents. Where you can't even buy a stamp. No, you don't. You're right. We said that yesterday. It costs more to mail it to me than what's in the inside. So my idea, and I thought this was pretty brilliant, is I was asking listeners what I should do with the windfall, since I never know when these checks are going to arrive. And somebody suggested I uh, donate it to the Swant re-election campaign. Uh, and then I had an idea. I'm thinking about, you know, the Seattle Tunnel. Wasn't the big debate a couple weeks ago what the name should be of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about sending the Seattle Tunnel people the 46 cents and say, if you will name the tunnel after me, you can keep the money. If not, please just return it to me. Because, I mean, that would be cheap publicity for the show for 46 cents Mm -hmm. if they will name it after me. And then we were trying to come up with the, the name of the tunnel. And I thought, well, let's call it the Dory Hole. And so Wyman texts me and Nicole and Ursula during the show yesterday, the second biggest hole in Seattle. And Nicole asked on the air, what's what's the biggest? Dory's Big Yapper. (laughs) Now you know what those meant, because she was getting those while she was sick in bed at home. (laughs) What are we even talking about? (laughs) Funny about that? Dave's not a funny man. We keep him around because uh, he provides muscle if I ever need it. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate some of our favorite moments from the Dory Monson Show. Who's gonna tell you when? It's too late.